Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Today is Monday, March 7th, 2022. I'm Sean Anderson. Welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast presented to you by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You can follow my guy next to me, Herb Lawrence at Ecknerwall23. That's Lawrence spelled backwards. And Correct. Two, three. And then Vinny, the man with the mustache, at Vinny Duber. This is your White Sox CHGO beat. We're excited to talk to you in our second episode. Today, we'll be doing a little Tony La Russa retrospective on his first year back as the White Sox manager. We'll be talking a little bit about the 12 versus 14 team playoff format that the MLB and the MLBPA are currently discussing. And we'll talk a little bit about some awards. If any White Sox player in 2022 is going to win the Cy Young who will that be? We got a lot of options. We'll discuss that here on CHGO. We're excited for you to be a part of allchgo.com. Thank you for being a part of it. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at CHGO underscore sports and at CHGO underscore White Sox. Vinny Herb, I mean, you had your first weekend after we did our show. I mean, it was a lot of fun on Friday. Excited to be back here on Monday talking about Tony LaRusso, which could be an interesting topic. Uh, before we get into that, though, you know, looking at the weekend, looking at what we've been building here at CHGO, we saw the uh, kind of promo video that Ryan Green put together. How was the first weekend for you, Herb? Awesome. Just amazing. Like, I knew when I signed up initially that this venture is going to be great, but every single day since has been even better. Like, it's been a world when my head is still spinning from this whole CHGO experience. We haven't even played any games. We're still in a lockout, <laughs> and I'm still, like, thrilled Weekend was awesome. Went to the Wolves game, see? Wolves. There you go. Those guys are animals, and we checked them out on Saturday night versus the Texas Stars. Other than that, oh, yeah, they won. We left early because uh, we have a dog. But other (laughs) than that, uh, we just chill at the house, enjoyed each other's company, my fiancé and I, and then we have a little dog named Ziggy. You You would think that the Wolves would be dog-friendly, kind of keep it in the whole canine family there, but... There's a lot of pyrotechnics there. (laughs) Sure. Skates throws up pyrotechnics in his... And he's the mascot. I guess, if you're listening, you guys need to go out to a Wolves game. They're awesome. Were were skates involved in your weekend week, uh, Vinny? 68 on Saturday. I got out. Yeah, usually you think, you know, if it's going to be that warm, you want to stay away from ice, but, you know, there you go. (laughs) You know, but Herb went a different route. That's okay, whatever. But, yeah, no. No, I had a little time at a park, you know. True to my baseball, uh, you know. Being a baseball person, we went and sat by a baseball field in this lovely city of ours. Not not guaranteed raid, of well, course. Any, any sport playing or you just No, just by. it was a nice day. So, yeah. <laughs> right. It was a, a little muddy. You didn't want to get out there and, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was good. Good weekend. Good, uh, ready to, good week. Ready to be back. And I think it's very Tona, Tony LaRussa, uh, LaRussian of you to sit by a baseball field, it, a guy that has dedicated baseball uh, to his whole life. He's a Hall of Fame baseball person. I don't know if you knew that, Sean. Hall of Fame baseball person. First Hall of Famer to return to the manager position after being elected to the Hall of Fame. He, he makes his debut after a nine-year hiatus, and we'll go through that today. We'll talk about the hiring process. We'll talk about his ups, his downs throughout the season. We'll talk about do managers really matter. I know Herb has his own stance on that. Um, but, Vinny, I want to talk to you first about Tony himself. Um, you got to meet him, Hall of Fame baseball person. Uh, you got to talk to him through Zoom. What is his vibe? I mean, if, if – Sox fans got the chance to meet Tony. I mean, what, what, would, what type of conversation would they have? What type of person he is? What, what vibe did you get from Tony LaRussa well, in I th- 2021? I think that the, the main thing that sticks out to you is 
when he was hired, when he got the job, it was surprising, to say the least. Indeed. White Sox fans reacted in a way based on the guy they thought they knew from watching him on TV for the last very many decades, right, and from thinking about, okay, he's now 10 years removed from the last time I saw him, you know, in a dugout on TV. The thing that you got to remember about him is the thing I think every White Sox fan wants their manager to have. He wants to be there, and he wants to win. Boy, does he want to win. He cares about nothing more than being the White Sox manager and and letting the White Sox win games. That's what he wants more than anything. And I think when you talk about that being his biggest character trait, I think it's easy for him to win over a lot of White Sox fans that way. Uh, Obviously, I was interacting with him on a daily basis. White Sox fans didn't get to as much. Seeing him, you know, propped up against a background with a Zoom camera pointed in front of him is not necessarily the most PR-friendly way to meet anybody, let alone, uh, you know, a face of your team kind of thing. But I think White Sox fans caught glimpses of it, whether it was, you know, every time he was out on the field right away whenever Jose Abreu got hit with a pitch or, you know, the way he was palling around with with Tim Anderson uh, on a regular basis. I think the fears that White Sox fans had had when he was hired were done away with pretty quickly just because it was very apparent how much he loved that job and loves this team and herb you were there doing it daily live white Sox podcast when they made the decision to fire rick renteria you got the all the, the bob nightingale rumors that tony la Russa was in discussion to become the next manager and then there was also the dui that came up you and chris Tannehill discussed that while you were uh you know doing lockdown white Sox. What was your first reaction when he was named the manager uh, of the Sox? Because obviously you were around too when, you know, he was there in 83. Um, you know, th- he's, he was in your baseball life your entire life, mm-hmm. and now he's coming back to the South Side. What was your Four-letter word starts with F, as I think I said <laughs> at the beginning of that episode, Locked on Sox. And it wasn't because of Tony. I mean, some of it was because of Tony, because of the DUIs that came out eventually. Um, but I was like... You're, you're usurping your general manager's authority. That's what I felt of that move. Like, Rick Hahn had shown himself to be a guy who can build a team. And now it's time to put the cherry on top with A.J. Hinch or whoever they're going to get as manager. You know, Ricky didn't work out necessarily, and you alluded to it. I don't necessarily think managers matter that much in wins and losses, but where they do is in the clubhouse. And so I thought, like, a guy like Tony La Russa, with all the baggage he had coming in, his Kaepernick uh, opinions back in the day, which he has subsequently uh, cleared up, mm-hmm. wouldn't be good for a guy like Tim Anderson, Af- young African-American player. Also, a lot of Cubans on the team, a lot of uh, Hispanic guys on the team. I didn't think that would mesh well. Tony has done nothing but ingratiate himself to the players. He's done very well for himself. And I think where managers matter the most is the clubhouse. And we'll get to a little bit more, but there's not a player on that roster that says a bad word about Tony Larusa. His intangibles, as far as wanting to win, as far as having the rings and people seeing that, I think that's where Tony Larusa is invaluable. Where, hey, look at the rings. I got three Oakland A's, I got the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'm trying to get one here too, guys. You follow me, you're going to get a ring. And to the players, that's an intangible that I can't quantify, and you guys can't quantify. So, yeah, for what Tony La Russa is now, I was really pissed back then. I'm fine with now. He's, he's, a, he's a manager that's fine. He won't hurt the White Sox. He won't help the White Sox as far as wins and losses. But I think the players will ultimately decide if Tony La Russa is a success. I was disappointed with the hire. I, I thought you were, 
you were right when you mentioned that it's like you're usurping your GM in that in that spot. And there was also the leaked graphic where Tony Larusa was named the manager, but AJ Hinch's signatures in the background. Oof. So there was still like a little bit, even when they're making the hire. Like, was this clearly the choice? Was like, was everyone a part of the White Sox, you know, team on board with this hire of Tony Larusa? It seemed a little bit up in the air. And then when you know the stuff about the DUI uh, came out and some of the details, it was a little bit challenging as a White Sox fan because it really did feel like. The owner was trying to help his friend come back into baseball, something that he has missed, uh, a franchise that he really didn't deserve to be fired from in the first place when he was the manager in the 80s. Uh, obviously, you know, our, our guy Hawk, mercy, <laughs> Take it, taking things into his own hands. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I was always with you, Herb, that managers don't matter, and I think I'm coming back to that point again that I don't think managers matter. Like, the team— Mine's is wins and losses. Like, they matter. Like right. In the clubhouse, a hundred percent. Like we saw, and I think we talked about the 2016 team. While I love Robin Ventura, and that that's what the Hector Wall two three is for, because I'm a Robin Ventura guy. He didn't have that clubhouse correct. Lots of outbursts by Chris Sale. Lots of uh, Drake LaRoche stuff. Right. Now you probably won't hear that with the Tony La Russa led White Sox because that is the job of the manager to set the tone, make sure nonsense doesn't uh, fester itself. And two, like I thought. Going into the season, I thought the Sox could go 93 and 69. The Sox end up going 93 and 69. So really, at the end of the day, like with all of Tony's issues and what I thought were issues in the front office, at the end of the day, they still won 90 games. So like, I don't know truly what the effect the manager has, but I think you tried to illuminate this with some quotes that we have here. Uh, like, what's Tony mo- Tony's motivation? How you know? Why did he return after a nine-year absence? Uh, this is what he said in his opening day press conference. I seriously thought being upstairs for nine years, watching the game closely, I described it to my friends as torture because you're seeing it and you can't do anything about it. Soon thereafter, I realized I had to either stop complaining about being upstairs or go downstairs. He made the choice. He went downstairs. You could see him in the uniform right there. I mean, was that showing through the games and through, through the passion and Herb mentions like the clubhouse. I mean, it seemed like the clubhouse did adopt Tony fairly easily. Guys, I will tell you, I will tell you this right now. I don't know how many Sox fans heard about this or saw it during the year, but from inter- literal interactions with him on a daily basis, there is a rule Tony La Russa has that is you cannot ask him how he's doing before the game <laughs> because the answer is I'll tell you after the game. His mood on a daily basis is based on whether the team wins or loses. He is as, you know, eat, sleep, drink baseball as anybody that you'll know. And, I mean, listen, you looked at that quote. He was describing having a nice job in a front office of a baseball team as being torture (laughs) because he wasn't on the field being involved in those decisions. I mean, this is the exact kind of, you know, epitome of someone who you can't take away from the game. He accomplished everything there is to accomplish in the game, and you can't take him away from it. So that's the thing that struck me right away. The other thing that struck me in terms of, you know, saying the right things, the things that White Sox fans should have wanted to hear at the time, whether they took it to heart or not, you think about all those things that you brought up, the negative, both of you guys brought up, the, the negatives that surrounded him when he was hired, the, the off-the-field stuff, the things that he had said in the press and stuff like that. Tony knew that people were talking about that. Tony knew that, and he said on day one two things. He said, number one, he needs to come in and earn the respect of the players. He knew he was coming into something, and he complimented Ricky Renneria and Rick Hahn and everybody who'd been part of this rebuilding effort before he got here. 
to building the culture that they did in that clubhouse. And certainly guys like Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, play a huge role in that as well. He was talking about fitting into that, not bringing in his own thing and making everybody adhere to that. Number two, he took all those concerns that all the fans had, that everybody outside had, and said, I know people have questions, and it's my job to answer them. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to, to win their respect as well. And so, listen, in terms of saying all the right things, I think he did from the outset. I think he has from the outset. Um, and, and you talk about the players and the way they reacted to him. At first, you, the, the compliments were, well, I've heard good things. <laughs> it was Jose Abreu talking about how I talked to Albert Pujols and I got Albert Pujols' vote of confidence on this guy kind of thing. By the time spring training was over and then obviously moving forward, it was all, this has been great. I mean, Tim Anderson, Lucas Giolito, talking about him wanting to earn that respect and that he had done so. You know, to, we, we've got a quote from T.A. too from the end of the season that I think really speaks to the way the players thought about it. You know, just saying how, listen, I, he, he knew that he was the focal point, right? That he was the guy, as we talked about on the last episode, the change the game guy, the guy who the White Sox attitude is based on. And when you look at what, what T.A. said here, and I'll read it, Everybody thought we weren't going to get along, talking about him and Tony, but we were talking behind the scenes the whole time. For him, the players come first, and he makes that known. We're one big family, but I think he did a great job coming in and being a part of what we're trying to do. I couldn't be more happy with what he did. The relationship was great overall with the players. Everybody was just getting along with him. I mean, listen, you see the date on there? Yeah. That's after things didn't go so well. That's a, in, basically in that. a year after that same quote that we shot. It's, from, yeah, from it's Tony. basically a year to the day of, of Tony being hired, but it's, a, it's right after they lost the, things did not go well mm-hmm. against the Astros in terms of what happened on the field and off the field. That's what Tim had to say about how everything had gone the last seven months. And the thing I, I had worries about with Tony is, like, you've won championships. You're literally in the Hall of Fame. I went to that Hall of Fame uh, ceremony because it was the one that Frank Thomas got inducted into, and I was like – what is there for Tony to come back to Major League Baseball? He has all the accolades. Why is he back with the White Sox? And I think you spoke to it the most. And, and if you want to repeat your answer, you said to me off the air. But, like, I don't know initially why Tony wanted to come back to, the, to a team when he already has everything he has. And it doesn't, there's nothing that's going to elevate him from being a Hall of Fame manager. Yeah, you can remind me of what I said because okay, I'd probably sorry. just repeat what I just said, but yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much you said that there has there ever been a manager as one with three different champ, uh, teams, and we looked it up. Yeah. No, like yeah. Uh, what two is That's Sparky Anderson. Yeah. yeah, Sparky Anderson's the only one besides Tony to win two with uh, two so separate franchises. And so there is an actual goal for Tony to be that guy. Like, hey, I took three separate teams to a world championship. Who's the best manager of all time? But is but the que- the but answer to that question right now might be Tony Larusa, yeah, right? And also, who's debating that? Like, are right. you sitting around with your buddies being like, "Oh, that Connie Mack really knew how to put it together a lot"? <laughs> no, but for him, that guy, you know, his lefty him, right, he's, you know, his legacy <laughs> is was great. Yes, Hall of Fame baseball man. Yeah, but also the best manager of all time. Tony Larusa. Win- Tony Larusa can get into that argument once he starts bringing a live mule around like Connie Mack did. <laughs> Well, I think, too, like maybe Tony's going for ultimate baseball czar or ultimate baseball Hall of Fame mm. person. Like maybe he's trying to be the the epitome of I know baseball. We, we don't, like, don't necessarily know. jibe with Theo Epstein, but when we think of one of the greatest GMs of all time, he won and broke the streak in Boston. He won and broke the streak with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. I think he's in the conversation. I think Tony wants that type of those type of accolades, which anybody would want that for their legacy. I wonder, too, just how much 
it is personal. I mean, you mentioned nine years of torture. I mean, maybe that's just something too. Like he wants to get out of that torturous relationship. Maybe it is just baseball. And also there is the personal relationship that him and Jerry do have. Sure. Uh, so, I mean, you know, part of it could be that, you know, those two teaming together. Think, I don't know if there's any mention of Jerry, you know, Tony made throughout the year, but. Well, listen, I mean, you can't doubt the fact that, you know, you're probably more likely to, to do something if your best friend or one of your right. best friends says right. you can do it for them. But I think the thing that he kept bringing up was think of the opportunity, right? If you are going to be a guy who wants to add even another ring, even if you got a whole bunch, if you want to add another one, walking into this, I mean, walking into this with the White Sox is not a bad way to go about doing that. And I think that's what he did mention several times is like, listen, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't necessarily get away from being in the dugout and being down on the field. Mm-hmm. And now I get to do that again with a really good roster that might win a couple World Series here coming up. So, I mean, I think there were multiple draws, and I think that certainly has to be one of them. And I think the torture is because he was like the Diamondbacks guy or the Angels guy. So the teams weren't particularly great that he Red was Sox. Yeah, but he gets to – Oh, the Red Sox. Oh, he, yeah, was with Bo- he was with Boston when they won the World Series in 2018. He was part of their front office. And then not only that, being with the Angels – you got to watch Mike Trout and Shohei Otani every day. So, you know, that's that's pretty good, too. That's decent. That's all right. <laughs> and uh, Zach is is right. Your guy, Zach, too, of a uh, oh, uh, uh, big Lockdown Sox fan, uh, mentioning that his favorite Tony meant, uh, game uh, Tony moment was the uh, the Field of Dreams game when he referred to it as the corn game, uh, which is a great soundbite. Also, I think uh, Herb's favorite men- uh, memory is when Tony was running onto the field, uh, you know, Herb saving the day. One of the many times that Abreu got to. There it is. That's that's what Herb pictures himself. Whenever Tony's making a mistake, Herb's rushing in to save the day because managers don't matter. Or that's when I'm. uh, That's what you're doing whenever Jose gets hit. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) And pushing catchers and such. Yeah. I mean, the man ingratiated himself to the team. And we already know what Jose Abreu means to this team. That quickly, Tony was like, hey, man, you want to mess with my player? Throw a ball high, head high. I'm not going to be standing for that. And that was, that was the solidifying moment for, I think, most White Sox fans, that Tony's our guy. Even though that was hilarious, that running gif of Tony just, you know, trugging along and pushing catchers, that's what solidified. Those are the type of things that people wanted to see. It's like, are you here just for the accolades? Are you actually a White Sox? Well, and I wonder, too, like, especially early on in the season, after 29 games, they're two and a half back in the AL Central. They're 16 and 13. Their record says they should be, like, you know, three games better. How does this team respond? And after that game where Liam Hendricks is on third base in Cincinnati, they lose in extra innings. That's after the nightmare series, I I believe, in New York, where, uh, you know, Andrew Vaughn hits that home run on Saturday uh, or Sunday to tie the game up, and then you – leave in I think it was bummer you load the bases and then you bring Hendricks against Judge with the bases loaded and he he gives up a, a walk in in six pitches like I didn't really love his bullpen usage early on in the season and then some of the rule you know discrepancies we had but it showed especially going into the all-star break this team responded they they won I think seven straight after that KC mishap with Liam Hendricks on third base and then they went 38 and 22 going into the all-star break so I think one thing that Tony at least showed in this team was this team has great fight. Um, they, they, the, the, the clubhouse uh, together, the, the community that they have really can pull together. And it does seem like, you know, he was able to just slide himself completely into that role, which is, you know, as a guy who is so anti La Russa before this season or before the 2021 season, now I don't really care. Now I think that this team, this 2022 Sox can win with or without Tony. I think they can win despite the manager or in spite of the manager. Well, I think, that, in a way, is him winning you over, 
yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I think I we'll put the things that you mentioned, you know, things not going well in the early going, a lot of bullpen, you know, blow-ups, whether regardless of whose fault they were, the one that sticks out to me that definitely was his fault, and he'll tell you, was leaving Matt Foster and to get Ooh, just yeah. crushed in, in Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. But, um, you know, that kind of things, And even, even the Cincinnati thing, which is kind of a – Fluke deal, but yeah, you gotta you know know the role. You know, it was it was do that. It was made look. It was made. It was made to look even worse by you know James reading him the rule book on the (laughs) on the post game zoom and everything. My guy James, but you know, uh, so yeah, I I think the point being is that those things played into the feelings that people already had. Those things weren't happening in a vacuum, and so those early season, if you want to call them screw ups, that you know, or you want to just call them things that happened that didn't go right, you know, it played into everybody going, well, I already feel this way about this guy this is reaffirming my opinion and then as time goes along he won you over not only by doing little things like going out and defending Jose but by winning yeah. and the team was just it, that team should have been crushed by the injuries that it had last year it had four month long or more in injuries to four of its starting position players two of them their two best players two of the best players on the team wiped out for the summer at the same time that team should have been crushed by those injuries the fact that they not only weren't but won the division by more than 10 games, I mean, Tony gets some credit for that, I think. And, and I, I tend to agree mm-hmm. that the players play the game. The players are the ones who decide what's going on. Get a hit, that's how you win a game. Get an out, that's how you win a game. The manager can basically set the lineup and, and, and let it happen. I tend to agree with you guys on, on that point. But I think the fact that they won and won the way they did and stayed together the way they did with all those injuries last year – is a credit to Tony as well as to Tim and Jose and Rick and, and everybody else involved because they built a good team and they built a good culture to go along with a guy who knew how to steer a ship through something like that because he's been through all of this stuff before. And yeah. I want to speak to the point of what you're saying. I was very anti-Tony after the whole you're mean, 3-0 swinging, For sure. you know, take the pitch, whatever, saga. I thought, you know, you could see a precipitous drop from you mean to Mercedes from that point on. But it was actually a little earlier since the month of May started. He wasn't the Yerminator as we started to see at the beginning of the season. So I thought that Tony handled that situation poorly, but I don't think that Yermin Mercedes was effective negatively by that in particular. So, yes, he did a lot with people who weren't there. I mean, remember, we didn't have Adam Engel, like a guy who can step in to give you a solid right field or a solid left field when Eloy goes out or center field when Luis Robert goes out. But this team stayed together. They didn't argue. They didn't fight. They were unified. Even though White Sox fans and the White Sox Twitter was fighting with each other, the White Sox themselves were unified as a whole. Yeah, and the one thing, too, before as we wrap this up, I think – it's going to be interesting, too, to see how he manages a non-162 season because we did see very old-school styles of letting your pitchers go deep. Sox, I think, pitched the fourth most. Their starters pitched the, the fourth most innings. Uh, he used his bullpen very traditionally, uh, second, at least second lowest amount of innings pitched for their bullpen, uh, used it in a very traditional sense. So, Some of that has a lot to do with the fact that the starters were very, very good. That's, that's <laughs> true. I mean, you had four good starters. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but you're not going to see, a, you know, the, the, the uh, starter or the opener sure. uh, for, from Tony La Russa. You know, you're, you're going to see Liam Hendricks used in more of a traditional role. Um, but overall, I, I think that I'd just like to see probably 
more involvement from the bench coaches. I don't know if we know a lot about what like Shelly Duncan does, Miguel Cairo does. I don't really know. Miguel Cairo wins corn games. That's what Miguel Cairo (laughs) does. Um, (laughs) I would like to see a little bit more of like what are these? What are the roles? How are Miguel Cairo and Shelly Duncan and those guys like helping out the team? Um, Because we obviously know like cats. Minichino and, and Larusa, they seem to be more involved. But you know, as a bench coach and as uh, analytics, which Shelly Duncan does, like you know, how are they helping Larusa? You know, set a lineup. How are they helping him use the right you know players in the right situations, especially uh, analytically? I, th- I think that's going to be an interesting you know year two storyline for Tony Larusa. But I think all in all, it's just if you win, you're, you're going to ingratiate yourself uh, to the fans. Got to take a break real quick, and we're going to talk about the best way to talk and support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. Since you're watching the CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet, you can go and get a free White Sox shirt. Vinny's got an article coming up. It's out right now, I believe. It was already published before we went on this show about Lucas Giolito and getting an extension done, how the lockout affects that. Becoming a member can get you access to Vinny's great written content. If you have any questions about setting up uh, an account, you can reach out at pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you. Remember, PointsBet is your home for live in-game betting with their new live same-game parlay only with PointsBet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live same-game parlays through PointsBet. And online sign-up is now available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register from start to finish all from your phone. Again, use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And if you make a deposit of $50 or more using CHGO, you'll receive a free CHGO membership. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Cody told me earlier, it's 1-800-GAMBLER, I think. So that, that we can just, yeah. instead of me saying 47,000, like I on did accident. on yeah. Friday, yeah. we can just go uh, 1-800-GAMBLER. And then finally, we talked about CHGO, but we're right now bringing you the CHGO podcast. We're bringing you the CHGO White Sox live show presented by PointsBet. We'll do that every single day, your team every single day here on CHGO. We also have post-game shows tonight, Bulls and 76ers, Matt Peck, Big Dave, and our guy, uh, Will Gottlieb, will be on the CHGO post-game show for the Bulls and Sixers tonight. We talked about the premium written content that you can get from Vinny, talking about Lucas Giolito's extension. That is all at allchgo.com. Come be a member, and you could talk to Herb, me and Vinny, in our Discord, too. we got the CHGO Lounge, which is fun to hang out with. But let's move into the next topic. We're talking about the playoff format. Right now, the union, the MLBPA, and the MLB are discussing 12-team versus 14-team. There's a ghost win involved. Very confusing right now. Spooky. They're not fit. Yeah, very it's haunted. Spooky. This is a haunted playoff format. <laughs> They're not able to figure anything out. Um, but let's talk about the ghost win before we get into what our ideal playoff formats right now are. We, we have the, the shape to change Major League Baseball. If we are the commissioner, what would be the most perfect playoff format? But let's talk about this ghost win. Uh, during a, release, a recent collective bargaining agreement session, the MLB has proposed an expanded 14-game post season format per Jesse Rogers. Uh, Here's how it would look. Seven teams from each league make the postseason. Teams with the best record in each league will get wildcard round buys. Two other division winners and top wildcard teams host all three games of uh, all three game series in a wildcard round. 
Two other division winners get to pick their wildcard round opponents from three other wildcard teams, and then three series winners and teams with a bye advance to a divisional round. And then the ghost win, which is is all confusing, the union (laughs) proposed a ghost win if they went to a 12-team format and floated the same idea in the 14-team plan in which in a two-of-three wildcard round, uh, the two division winners would start with a one-game advantage. So basically, to clear it all up, Good luck. In the 14-team plan, uh, division winners, two division winners, will get a one-round advantage. So let's say the Sox win the AL Central. They take on one of the wildcard teams being the Angels. The Sox would play at home and start the round up one nothing. Do we like this the best gimmick? of five. They've got the or best of three. It's a best of three. You know, oh, they've got they've two got, out of three oh, wildcard. They've got the ghost wind. The Swayze win, if you will. The Swayze yeah. win goes to the uh, the the division champion so the Sox win the AL Central they pick to choose whatever wildcard team let's say the Angels Sox versus Angel at guaranteed rate field the Sox are up one nothing just have to win one game and they're they just have to win one game and they they advance no like that gimmick no that's dumb that's really (laughs) really dumb like you play that whole season and you scratch and claw and the Angels I mean you already got home Right. Isn't that the advantage? Exactly. Why do you need to give, be given a win? Exactly. Like, I know baseball has this resistance towards going into November. Just play the series. Like, this, like if we're going to play more expanded playoffs, expand the playoffs into November. I don't care. Let's play it. But a ghost win is gimmicky. It's like, what are we doing here? What's a national hey. pastime? What are we doing giving people wins? The Dash Law wants to give credit to Vinny's Swayze win. The which Swayze I think win. Is we're going to call it from there now on. There you go. The Swayze win. The Swayze win. I love, too, that the whole point of expanded playoffs is so there's more baseball, and then the incentive for the teams is that they get to play <laughs> less baseball. Yeah. Like, I don't to understand. To secretively why. get rid of a game. <laughs> like, I, maybe this is the players. Saying something dumb just so it could be out there in the Pantheon and hold on to that as their, as their trump card behind them. It's like, okay, we'll get rid of the ghost win. Here, here's the 12-gamer. It doesn't make any sense. And if we did last year, like, this, like they want to do this year, they would have the Braves hosting the Dodgers. The Dodgers won, like, almost 20 games more than the Braves, but the Braves get a ghost win and host the damn Dodgers. Yeah. Well, how fair is that to a 100-plus win Dodgers team? And I did a bad job of explaining it. The union proposed it in both the 12-team and the 14-team. Yeah. So we're, we, if the union gets what they want, we might be seeing the Swayze win. It, might just, it also just comes down to this, too. You know, when are the MLB playoffs? They're in October. <laughs> right. They're during spooky season, so no Ooh. wonder there's going to be a Swayze win involved. <laughs> if, if, if the game happens on October 31st, it's an automatic home win. That's the that's the Swayze ghost win. That's the new that's role. the World Series though. <laughs> Does the Swayze win extend to the game, World Series? Yes, game game one. You don't have to play it. The home team just wins automatically. I mean, because uh, I that, know that's if, if you win the All Star game. Because I know right? if us as White Sox fans, if we happen to get caught up by the Tigers or the uh, Guardians. Oh, are we, are we doing this now? Yeah. You, uh, you, you caught yourself. Yeah. Saying the old nickname. We have a thing where at the end of the a year, a guardian jar. Yeah, we have a guardian. swear jar for people saying the old Cleveland team name. Or pausing before you say the Guardians. <laughs> so if the Guardians catch us, I got to donate, what, a dollar? Yeah, and at we'll the end of the year, we'll uh, give it to a charity. <laughs> if the Guardians catch us. And then the we'll White Sox nice are... A Chicago Native American yeah, uh, indigenous, that's a great idea. indigenous yeah. fund right. for, for our mistakes here. Absolutely. And so <laughs> we then we're the wildcard team, and we got to go to Houston. And they already got a game in hand. Yeah. Game over. Like right. that, it doesn't. It's not fair to play 162 games and to say, enjoy your one game. 
bye. Well, and I think it's so stupid, too, because the team that wins it, like, yes, you automatically get the win. But also, like, let's say you're, you're Houston and you have, you know, well, I mean, I guess, it, I guess it would help them. I guess it would hurt the White Sox in this case. But, like, if you have a big injury to a big pitcher, right, you're, you're Houston and you're, you're down Lance McCullers, like, then you're going to have to go to, you know, Garcia and uh, uh, Valdez, right, when the Sox get to throw their best two in Giolito and Lynn. Like, yes, you get that. Ad- I mean, I guess that's where the advantage helps the Astros then by having a win. But, like, I, I just – I don't know if it's a, a level playing field, this idea, either. Well, you know what would be a really good way to reward a team that finishes with one of the best records in the league would be to make them not have to play an extra round of playoff games against a team that <laughs> might not even be 500. Right. The ten, that would be a wise idea, don't the, we think? The 10 format works in my mind. You, you know, give, give the team that has the best record in the division the buy already, and let's just stick with what works so far. I'm fine with the, the 10 but game right I now. I don't know if baseball lends itself to having buys. Like, so if the White Sox have the best record in the American League, having, what, five, six days off in between you playing your last game of the regular season until you start the next round, I don't know if that's good. You know, you get some rest after you have a pitcher that mm-hmm. pitched the last game of the series and you want to have him start the first game, cool. But if you're off for a week, you might get rust. Rest versus sure. rust argument can be put in there, but I'm not liking any of these uh, playoff scenarios. I'm an old traditionalist. I know either one of them things are going to come up, so me arguing it is fruitless, but i got to let my people out there know, baseball, that ghost win is dumb. Don't do it. I'm an old man yelling at a cloud because I'm the oldest person here. Yelling at a ghost. Yes. <laughs> yelling at Swayze. Rest in peace, man. You're awesome. <laughs> But yeah, I, I will not like that. And two, if the so- if a ghost win is implemented, the Sox with the division they have, I mean, they, they need to take full advantage of it. If you're getting a, an extra win in the postseason and you get bounced in the first round, giving getting a win and you lose the you know the the, the two games you play in the postseason, uh, I mean, how defeating uh, for the Sox would that be? Uh, that'd be brutal. Also, Lawrence, can we bring up Jimbo's comment because I missed it? Uh, if possible, did you have a, a, a comment you wanted to add on? Yeah, I mean, just the, I was brought up the Dodgers. They play in a really tough division in the NL West. Right. Why should they get punished? Because San Francisco won the division. Now they have to go on the road. And on the other hand, like, why are we still doing division things? Like, if we're going to go to these things, we need to do a balanced schedule because not all things are equal. The White Sox get to play the Kansas City Royals, the Minnesota Twins, the Guardians, and the Tigers, while... The Rays have to play in the tough AL East. You know, these things are not equal. Why should a division winner, because you have these uh, arcane rules, be uh, rewarded for playing in this garbage division while another good team is not? Again, if the Sox get the same advantage, they need to take advantage of all those advantages that they're going to be getting, uh, especially playing in a weaker division. Uh, Jimbo says expanding MLB playoffs makes sense financially for league-slash-owners but makes longer regular season into Pro sports even more uh, irrelevant. Division winners should get a buy into four teams per league LLDS. I want to bring that back because we do have our own playoff formats, and Vinny probably has the craziest one, uh, and it's even <laughs> crazier uh, than Jimbo's idea. Uh, so, Vinny, why don't you unleash your uh, your take uh, about the playoffs on the people? Well, I ag- I agree with all these points being made. Herb, I agree with the points. There's no reason to have divisions. There aren't. There, I mean, the only thing about them that is – good in my mind is rivalries and if you are a Boston Red Sox fan you want to see the Red Sox play the Yankees as much as possible because you hate them and you want to see your team beat them as much as possible I don't know if the White Sox have a rival like that that fans want to see them play it seems like White Sox fans always want to of course Minnesota 
I hate the Twins. But my point That's being, me. But my point being is that aren't all the teams in the in the AL Central that the White Sox play two fans like annoying? Yes. Like they're they don't want to play them because the only thing only bad things can happen. No matter what, <laughs> if the White Sox are good or bad, indifferent, the Kansas City Royals yeah. are always going right. to battle the White Sox. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. And, and so, but I'm, whatever closer they have is going to have a sub one ERA. <laughs> I mean, Scott Barlow already dominates yep. the, the Sox as is. So absolutely. But yeah. So and I I would even send it a step further. I'd say, why do you need leagues? And I, I guess there's there's some history there, but we've seen the Astros pinball back yeah. and forth. We've seen the Brewers pinball back and forth. You know, I, I don't really. The only thing I could see is that the the pennant should maybe still be a thing. You know, winning the pennant counts as something to some teams. But I mean, you don't you don't need it, right? I mean, th- there's no old school. We've got you know two days to travel to our uh, yeah. to our old game by Pony Express we have, that we've yeah, got we to uh, planes take now. care of. Yeah, yeah, right. all that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So get rid of the divisions, get rid of the leagues. Everybody plays a battle and schedule, and at the end of the year, take the four best teams, two LCSs, winners play in the World Series, done. And something we noticed, Herb, with this was like if we, if we went back, I think we went all the way back to 2010, we looked at the four teams that would make it, and it seemed like the only teams that would make the playoffs still – uh, were the teams with the best record. So like and, we, and won the World Series. And won the World yeah, Series. Right. Like the Red Sox in 2018, uh, they won the World Series. But like the Giants in 2014, 12, and 10, I think they didn't even – I don't think those teams, any of the three teams that they had, were even in top four at baseball. So like it, it is, you know, there where, where this idea – I mean, that's what I love about the Major League Baseball is like anyone has the opportunity to win it. Like, But you proved that over six months. Yes, that, and that that I think is what's that I think is what was brought up there is that you've got the longest season in pro sports. Do something with it. Make right. it matter. May, and and you know we we all get really excited in September when there's pennant races on. Wouldn't it be nice to get excited in August too? I mean, you mm-hmm. know what I mean. We saw we saw great, amazing crowds show up at the on the south side late in the year. You know when they're playing good teams, getting excited. Let's see those in July because the games could be ex- as exciting then for when it takes for when it matters toward getting one of those top four spots, those only four spots. Well, and hey, managers maybe matter more if we do this because I mean, you look at back at that Cincinnati game, you could give the excuse like, hey, the Sox only had two hits in that game, they went to extra innings. But my whole thing is a manager has to put your team in the best position to win. I don't think Tony did it in that game. Mm-hmm. That if the the stakes are higher, you only have four playoff teams. You know, that's where your idea of managers not mattering could change that entire position in, in, in general. I mean, the, the entire position of the manager uh, would become much more important if games become more important and that crucial all the way down to, you know, one or two between the fifth team in MLB and the fourth team in MLB. Yeah, I like what Vinny said. Like, get rid of divisions, get rid of leagues. We are playing the same rules now. We have a universal DH, yep. so that's perfect. But I know we're going to be going to 12 or 14, so let's go there. I say, why do we shorten these series? Why do we do these gimmicks of best of three, best of five? Make them all best of seven. If we're playing this long-ass Jeez. season, we're playing this long-ass season, the cream will rise We'll be here until Christmas. Fine. You'll get a ghost of Christmas <laughs> present win. Great. Make more money. Like well, You want these playoff games. Yeah. Make them more. Like, the White Sox are the better team, and they're hosting the Rays. Make it a best of seven. See who can come on top. Like, we're doing this long-ass season for some reason and then letting every single person in, every single team in. No. I don't want the White Sox to win 116 games and go out like the Mariners. I want the White Sox to win 116 games and play a real series versus a real team. And if that other team happens to beat the White Sox, tip the cap, I'll see you next year. But a best of three, imagine you got that ghost win like they want and it's a best of three series and the White Sox are not the best team in the American League. 
and somehow you're facing the Angels, and Shohei is pitching. And then I don't know who their second pitcher is, but they both catch fire. Jared but, Washburn. Yeah. yeah. And uh, oof, that's a tough one. I can't even make that one. John Lackey. <laughs> they're going to kill, kill those people. But you get the point. They catch fire. They have a solid pitcher in October. And in two games, you're out of the playoffs. No, make it a best of seven. I understand you don't want to play November. It's November still fall. It's the fall classic. Do it November 15th. Who cares? No. Why not? Because you're going to get snow. I mean, you're going you're gonna to have so? a game at guaranteed rate. It's going to be game three. Lucas Giolito's on the bump. You're not and even we gonna are be able delayed to because there are eight inches of snow. So you're not even going to be able to see Luis Roberts' face. Awesome. You're gonna, <laughs> you, knowing us, you're going to get, uh, what's it called? What's the, what's the thing uh, where it's negative 20? Oh, the polar four. vortex. Yeah, the poral, yeah. You're going to get a, po- uh, a polar vortex uh, yeah. during game three of the World yeah. Series. So you just want if you're wanting to play on November Game just jammed into October just no, because? No, I want them to, if, if, I, I want them to keep it at 10. Keep it at 10. I'm, I'm fine with uh, you know two wildcard teams. They play the, the best division winner. That makes sense, and then have you know the, the like we saw last year, you know the two and three division winners, the Astros and Sox, they play up against each other. I think that makes the most sense, just with the way that this is currently set up. I think you go to twelve teams, that's too much. Uh, I think fourteen is way too much, and then like Jimbo was saying, it only benefits the owners because you're getting more games, uh, and I, and I. I don't really love 162 as it is. I'd be I'd love if they shorten the season. I mean that 60 games in 2020. Even though you keep you think I think it's a Mickey Mouse season. Uh, you, I, I you think keep on saying that's that. how you baseball hate Jose should you, and you didn't you don't recognize this as an MVP <laughs> championship in 2020. You keep on looking at the Dodgers suspect league. You're like Ugh, no, that's not a thing. Ooh, I like this. Steve Meister says, uh, "What if you set a barrier of 90 wins? What if that you don't? There's no set amount of games. You just keep playing until." X amount of teams gets 90 wins. Well, no, what he says is you play you play 162, and however many get 90, regardless of the number, they wow. make the playoffs. Okay. Wow. That's kind of fun. So hey, 90's the area. I like that idea, too. I always said that 2006 Cardinals did not win the championships. The White Sox are the champions from 2005 until 2007 because <laughs> they only won 83 games. You cannot 83. be an 83 game winner. You should see what Tony's opinion on that is. I'm going to check it out. I'm going to meet him face-to-face, see if he likes me. <laughs> Hold on. Let me let me real check. Now, let's go back to the standings, and it, let's see how many teams made it to 90 wins uh, like, before we do this. Uh, and, just, and go into this I don't like. This, this I, I don't like. I don't like this from Jake. I don't like the uh, – Jake. Yeah. Are you are you guys open to the minor league playoff structure with champions of each half of the season getting spots? So in in the minor leagues, if you if you're in first place at the end at the All Star break, you're in. You don't have to win anymore. You're in. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that's why I don't like it. I think I've always found like, that I, weird. Like, what if you win both of them? Do you just go to the ooh, next round? That's a round? good question. What does happen if you win both? Is of them? that Do what they happens? Just go Jake? to the next team. Second place. Oh, gets, second, uh, second place oh, team becomes so. Okay. I'm not even play, like in the second half of the season. I'm not playing then, right? Yeah. You would just have a bunch of games. Like yeah, I'm but guaranteed you're talking to rest. You're talking rest versus rust there. See, look at catching my own. Yeah. Words. I don't know. Well, hey, hey, maybe maybe if you win the second half, then you earn the ghost win. That's how you earn the earn the Swayze win. If you're the first half winner and the second half winner, you get a Swayze. Maybe you get two Swayze wins. Seriously, call the trademark office and do that already. We you got get it. The Swayze win. Yes. You get the ghost. You get the ghost win, and you get to host the game at the Roadhouse. That's how that works. <laughs> Boom! Look at him. Uh, going back to Steve's John idea, uh, eleven <laughs> teams would have made young. the playoffs in, in 2021. I know the movie. I know Roadhouse. <laughs> I know. I, I, I know who Patrick Swayze is. Dirty Dancing. But you know, I could go three deep on Swayze movies. I think. Which White Roadhouse, Sox? 
uh, yeah. da- uh, ghost yeah. and dancing in the yeah. uh, dirty Dirt dancing. Games. I was yeah. going to say dancing in the dark. <laughs> dancing with wolves? That's, a different, with wolves. that's, that's a different person. That's, that's, I, uh, <laughs> the baseball guy. I recommend The Outsiders. Oh, I, well, I know that one too. Okay. But I, I think of that as uh, a Ralph Macchio movie. Stop it. <laughs> what? Stop it. Stay golden, Pony Boy. Uh, 11 teams would have made the playoffs in 2021 if the 90 wins was the uh, entry. That would have been uh, the Mariners, that would have been the Cardinals, Blue Jays, Yankees, Red Sox. White Sox, Astros, Brewers, Rays, Dodgers, Giants. So so here's a question then, too, that makes this even more complicated because you probably have more teams with more wins with tanking happening, right? Mm-hmm. Because there are more teams that have fewer wins. Right. So relegation. keep, tank, keep tanking more playoff teams, more playoff money. <laughs> the players are never going to win this argument. We could also do this, too. <laughs> if, you, if you hit 100 losses, then you get relegated to the minor leagues. <laughs> to the, you, have to so go, the Rangers, you have to go play the Pacific yeah. Coast League. <laughs> Say goodbye to the Pirates, Rangers, Orioles, and Diamondbacks. Nice knowing you guys. Wow. Um, I mean, the, the Charlotte Knights have a... Major League Stadium in Charlotte. Major so. League Stadium, and I mean, just imagine like putting Major League players in that park. I mean, you you probably get like ten home runs a game. But then, do the White Sox do the White Sox then not have access to Jake Berger? Because no. Jake yeah, Berger's yeah. now in the minor, they, the, the, the majors owners, with Charlotte. Too. Yeah, Tommy Viola, the guy who runs, uh, I think, the PR for the the Knights, is going to be uh, the new owner the of the uh, Charlotte Knights. He's yes, the GM. and GM yeah. too. Uh, congrats, Tommy, for your your race. Uh, <laughs> if you enjoy CHGO and our CHGO White Sox podcast, it's presented to you by PointsBet, and one way to help us continue grow this is only our second show so it is you know if you are here on the ground with us we would really love the support and helping out the people that support us points bet one way to help us out is to continue growing is uh, to download the points bet app and use code chgo when you sign up not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to two thousand dollars but if you make a fifty dollar or more deposit your first time deposit you'll receive a free chgo membership which unlocks all of our web content and you'll get a free short of shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. I think we, we have, uh, you know, every shirt basically up on there. We got Sox, Cubs, Bulls, Blackhawks. We got our own CHGO stuff with our great logo. So check that out. Uh, and you could do that by downloading the Point Bets app and making a deposit of $50 or more with your first time using code CHGO. If you have any questions in signing up, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. And again, download the PointsBet app right now and register from your account. You can do it all on your phone, start to finish. Mobile registration just came back in Illinois on Saturday and PointsBet makes it easy by just downloading the app and they can get you set up in minutes. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem, call one 800 Five two two four seven zero zero or one eight hundred gambler. Yes, it's now. right over Vinny's head if you're watching on YouTube. Like, oh yeah, yeah, look at that. It's right there. Code CHGO. And again, you uh, make a deposit, uh, your first time deposit of fifty dollars or more using the code CHGO, and you get membership access to our site, allchgo.com, and you can check out Vinny's new article about Lucas Giolito's extension and how the lockout affects that. And we're going to be talking about Lucas Giolito here and the whole White Sox pitching staff because we're going to have a little bit bit of debate. We liked doing this on Friday, talking about who is the most important player to the Sox in 2022. Now we're having the debate if any player on the 2002 or 2002 uh, 2022 Oof, Chicago White Sox year. can win the AL Central uh, AL Cy Young, who will that be? James uh, Baldwin. Yeah, you got to go with James Baldwin for is the 2002. I don't, you guys got to help Probably. me out with the 2002. Soraka was traded already. Todd Ritchie. 2002? Was Loiza on the team? No, no. Loiza <laughs> would end up starting the All Star game the next maybe. year. 2003. He yeah. might have been. Yeah, I don't know. You're right. A- hmm? Any Loiza heads out there, give me a, give me a shout out. If you know Esteban Loiza was on the 2002 Sox. Cur- I think he's still currently in jail. Yeah, oh, shout out to him. Yeah. Esteban Loiza. 
Losiza. Yeah. <laughs> Looking back at the 2021 All-Star, uh, All-Star, AL Cy Young finish, uh, the Sox, they had a third young, uh, third place finisher in Lance Lynn, fifth place finisher in Carlos Rodon, eighth place finisher in uh, Liam Hendricks, and then tied for 11th, the man you just wrote about, Lucas Giolito. So if we're talking about Cy Young in 2022, who has the best shot on the Chicago White Sox? Vinny, you wrote about Lucas Giolito. Is it Giolito in your mind? I think I'd have to go with Lucas, but I'll say this. This is very tough. You could go mm-hmm. a number of different ways. The guy you didn't mention was the guy who led the team in strikeouts. That's, That's Dylan true. Cease. Uh, and I, th- I think we've already talked about him mm-hmm. on this show last week. I mean, so such high hopes for him coming up. I think I'm going to go with Giolito just because I am a big believer in him as the ace of this staff, as the guy who's going to deliver, you know, in those biggest moments. And if they're in a race, like they are expected to be at least more so than they were last year, mm-hmm. going, down, going down the wire there in September – Gilito's the guy that could deliver some huge wins with people watching eyeballs on him. Everybody goes to the stats and that, and they should. That's fine, but like you gotta, there's some intangible to Lucas Gilito that I think you gotta pay attention to. I really wanted to go with Liam Hendricks because the dude is just dominant. <laughs> but we looked we, before the show. We looked at the relievers to win the Cy Young, and it is they are few and far between. Yeah, I think there's four in total. Uh, Steve Bedrosian, I wonder if Bedrock. I can get this. Yes. Uh, the Tiger guy, Willie Rodriguez. Willie- Willie uh, Hernandez, I believe. Willie Hernandez. Eck won it, and then Eric Gagne won it. I Eric think Gagne the was the four. most recent in 2003, Did right? he have help, yeah. though? He had help from uh, the Juice. Allegedly. I, I also think Raleigh Fingers had one, too, in 1982. I could be wrong about that. But just to pull up 1982, because you mentioned Liam Hendricks. I don't think it's too much of a far shot. In 1982, they had the NFL uh, strike season, uh, or, or strike season. And uh, the MVP that year was Mark Mosley, the kicker for the Washington team. And in a shortened season, you never know what (laughs) hilarity can ensue. If Liam Hendricks saves every White Sox win, I mean, there could be an argument that he could be the most valuable player or most valuable pitcher, at least for this Cy Young case. I I mean, we don't know how long the lockout's going to end. I mean, some of these bet sites have, you know, July or June being the start. You get another 60 or 100 game season and Liam Hendricks gets 30 wins against the AL Central. I mean, you're looking you're looking at a possible AL Cy Young. I will say this, I think to to answer the question, I think Lucas Giolito has the best chance of winning it just because he's a starter. I think Liam Hendricks is the most dominant pitcher on the team. That's and, fair, yeah. And to answer the question, you just had my answer right there. Imagine if Lucas Giolito is Lucas Giolito, the same thing with Lance Lynn and the same thing with Dylan Cease. You have three dominant starters on one team. They probably cancel each other out. But if you have a dominant closer, like Liam Hendricks was last year, and he's saving all these games, and no one else really is a, like a big-time number on as a starter in the American League, I could see Liam Hendricks being the Cy Young Award winner for the White Sox. Now, the best stuff, bar none, is Dylan Cease. And you could see his confidence growing every single year. From when he came in to now, the guy has electric stuff. He puts it all together and doesn't have those innings where it falls off the table and he's thinking about, okay, uh, my fastball got hit 97 miles per hour by Shohei Itani. Hey, Shohei Itani is going to hit a lot of people's fastball for 97 miles per hour. So don't worry about that. And I think he's got the confidence to become the next level pitcher. So if I was going to go with a guy and put money on it, on points bet, of course, I would say Dylan Cease. And uh, Stephen B. Smith uh, should be saying best pitcher in baseball for, uh, from uh, Chimbo McCovlich. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to give a shout out at the uh, the, the, the Polish name. Uh, let me know. On Kazmierz Pulaski Day, you just butchered that name. <laughs> is it? Yes. Well, yes. It is. Well, he's not Kazmierz Pulaski, but he's Polish. Isn't that? How would you say that? Mahovlich? 
Yeah, you said it wrong. Whatever. I don't know. Jimbo, Anyways. tell if you said her name wrong. Shout we out need to a Jimbo. Fanat- We need a fanatic spelling uh, on, the, on the screen. Nonetheless. Yeah. I'm Irish. I don't care. <laughs> whoa, uh, whoa, 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 hey. Wow. Hey. 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 I loved what you brought up about uh, with the White Sox having a lot of starters, though, that can be competing for this, uh, because I, I, I'm brought back to 2015. Uh, the Dodgers had Granke and Kershaw. Uh, Granke got 10 place, uh, first place votes. Kershaw got three of them. They split the vote there. Arietta got 17. He ended up winning it. And then in 2016, kind of same thing happened with the, uh, the Cubs. Uh, you had Max Scherzer win it. He had 25 first place votes. Uh, but second and third was Hendricks and Lester. Uh, you know, those two guys fighting. And it, it might be difficult if the Sox do have, again, just like we saw last year, uh, you know, three great starters and Cease, Giolito, and Lynn that might make it difficult for any of them to really separate themselves. I don't know if you want to answer this, but do you have a vote? Did you have a vote? For I had a vote last year. Okay. I had a vote last year. For uh, a Cy Young? Or? Yeah, I had okay. a Cy Young vote last year. So the way it works is it rotates. The awards rotate. Uh, but, yeah, last year I had a Cy Young vote. Do you know what award you're voting on this year? I do not. I okay. do not. That usually comes in once the season gets going. What, so. Do you remember your one through five? My one through five was almost exactly how it turned out. Okay. I had, uh, I had uh, Robbie Ray first. Um, I had Cole, Garrett Cole second, Lance Lynn third, uh, Rodon, he finished and Rodon fifth. was one of those two. And then, oh, I did have Rodon fifth because the only thing I missed in the entire the f- final results, I had Frankie Montas fourth. And I okay. believe Nathan Avaldi finished fourth, maybe. Uh, I have to yeah, go back I, and look. I, I but can't yeah, find it right now. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's fair. I had Rodon. I picked him in J- July. It was like plus two fifty uh, on a sports book. I thought that, uh, or plus uh, twenty five hundred on a sports book. I thought that he had a good shot. Um, if, if I'm picking any player on this team, I, I think you got to go away from Kopech just because he won't have the volume. I mean, it's really a big question. Will you even yeah. hit 150 innings? You have to have one hell of 150 innings uh, for that to be uh, your spot. Also, we don't know how long. Uh, you know, that, that might change too with the lockout. But with Lynn, I, I think we saw that you know, his fastballs, it works, but can it work over 162 to be dominant enough to be a Cy Young? That might be the best season we see from Lance Lynn last year in 2021. Giolito has that top-end potential, but I think he only can really put himself in Cy Young contention if that slider comes along. He's got those one-two great pitches and that, that fastball and changeup. His slider, he started using it more and more. It started getting better and better later on in the season. That's why he became more effective. But if he can do that over 162, I think that's probably the, the best shot for, for Giolito. But it's got to be Cease. I think you look at August to October, his run was was dominant. He seemed so composed. Uh, I love the way that he started off against Houston in the postseason. Uh, I, I really do think that he's starting to put it all together. Mentally, physically, he's always had the stuff. I mean, he's got elite, elite stuff. The only guys that have stuff like him is uh, Corbin Burns, Julio Urias, and uh, former disgrace Cy Young winner for the the. Cincinnati Reds and, and former Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, former Cleveland pitcher, uh, if you guys can catch it, uh, Trevor Bauer. Uh, so, I mean, he's got elite Is that elite fine? Stuff. You said Cleveland pitcher? Yeah. Oh, no. It's not wrong. He's not wrong. I, I, not I, wrong. I, I, no, he is a former pitcher. <laughs> but, uh, Cleveland's right. I didn't hesitate on that one. So, I just think that Cease, uh, this 162, if he's able to show exactly what he saw from August to October, that's my guy. I, I, I think that he's got the best shot just because – those strikeouts are, are going to be up there, and just also the pitching, the, the gif ability of his stuff is is disgusting. I think it can spread like wildfire. So the guys that we all picked, none of us said the guy who almost won it last year. Yeah, we're all not, right. we're all not right. picking Lance Lynn. <laughs> so, uh, Jimbo says so if you're Mahalovic. So I was Mahalovic. close. Oh, it's you were Croatian. pretty close, but my it's bad. yeah, it's Croatian. So my bad. Yeah. Uh, not 
Not Polish. So you're saying that your top five would be Dylon, 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 Dylon? I would say, yeah, Dylon, Dylon, Dylon. Did you mention Dylon? And then Dylon after that. <laughs> uh, Too Limbo close to says the mic, that man. Kopech needs to develop a third pitch. Uh, Vinny and, and Herb, you guys saw uh, Kopech last year. I, the biggest question is, can he even just get to volume? Uh, can he get to 150 innings? But reputation-wise or repertoire-wise, what, what do we expect from Kopech? Uh, I, I think he has enough to be a starter, especially getting through five innings. I think he's got the stuff to do it. But third pitch-wise, changeup really isn't there yet, but he's got a nice fastball, a nice bender. Uh, what, what are we thoughts on the, on the, the Kopech repertoire? I mean, hey, we'll, we'll see. I think the stuff is always the thing that lures you to, to believe in all the hype, right? I mean, the, the stuff is, is not the question. It's, it's, it's what you said. It's the lung. It's the durability. It's the, you know, can he last throughout a game? Not just a game, but then the game five days after that and the game five days after that. You know, it's, it, he hasn't been tested in that way yet, and, and that's no fault of his own. It just hasn't happened yet, and that's why it's such a big question mark because you can point to the stuff and say what Lance Lynn said, to us at the end of the season and say, oh, yeah, he's got uh, the stuff to be one of the best pitchers in, in baseball. But he's got to be one of the pitchers in baseball first. And we saw even last year where, look at, if you're looking at the results for Michael Kopech, most of the time they were pretty great. The second half, they were not always great. Yeah. I mean, there were, it was a couple of games where things string, really string, went, went awry. But, yeah, I mean, even in the playoffs when – I mean, you remember everybody was oh. so much, where's Kopech, where's Kopech, where's Kopech? Kopech comes two. in and yeah. gives up runs. So, I mean, right. it's, it, it, he is not um, – he was not perfect in that relief role. He will not be perfect in a starter's role. He has the stuff to be great, but he's got to learn how to do it because he hasn't done it so far. I mean, sitting on his fastball will, is what teams do. If you can't throw something off, like a slider is not as fast as his fastball, but it's not too much of a difference to lay off of it. It's filthy. It's got great movement. So learning and going to Lucas Giolito and say, hey, man, that high changeup is filthy. It devastates hitters out here. Can I learn it? You know, he's got big enough hands where his changeup should be filthy. It should be nasty. It, it just, you know, feel, grip. You just need to do it a certain amount of times. And this is probably not the necessary team to be experimenting with pitches, but I hope him and Giolito and Ethan Katz have gotten together in this offseason and developed that third to fourth pitch. You, so because he's a starter now, he needs to have well, a good pitch mix to get these people off their fastball. Because from for my looking, like, looking at him, his fastball is pretty straight. Just real, yeah, I mean, real quick, the just looking at his usage, too, from 2018 to 2021, uh, like him as a starter and him as a reliever, he used a different repertoire, too. Like, I mean, he used uh, in 2021 his slider uh, 30% of the time, his fastball 65% of the time. But in 2018... 62% on his fastball, and then like 15% on his slider, 11 on his curveball, 8 on his changeup. So he was more of a four-pitch pitcher uh, or a traditional four-pitch pitcher uh, when he was starting in 2018. There's two, you, you mentioned the two words that should give you reason to believe that he's going to be making good progress. Ethan Katz. That's I mean, good, right? you look what he did to the pitchers who were Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon. Remember back a year ago oh. what, we, what we all thought or – Basically, admittedly, what we all had no idea Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon were going to be, what they ended up being, Ethan Katz deserves a ton of credit for Two that. things. I also think Lance Lynn deserves a ton of credit. Um, I remember early in yeah. April, too, Kopech, was, that was one of the things that he said. Like, Lance Lynn had that shutout 
at Guaranteed Rate Field, and he said, I mean, Lance just went after him and attacked people. And that was something that he started to do, and we started seeing, like, strikeout numbers climb and climb and climb for Kopech. C said the same thing after he had a rough start in April against Texas uh, that, you know, he really started to need to attack more. He saw that from Kopech and Lynn. And, and them setting that example I thought was really great. You know, Lance Lynn coming in as a veteran, setting the example for these young guys, Phenomenal. Uh, so, so Lance Lynn, I mean, even if he's not the Cy Young, he might be the most important pitcher just because of his uh, experience. And then also, even though he's not on the roster, especially in a short season, if they bring back Carlos Rodon, that might be my pick. But he's not on the roster right now, so I don't want to be uh, unfair and throw him out. I mean, Carlos Rodon and I think most of the free agents who are out there will probably sign one-year prove-it deals right. when this resumes because we talked about it on Friday's show. It's going to be a fast uh, return to baseball. So you need to find a place for you to play. Find if you're going to Arizona or Florida. And so, yes, a one-year deal for Carlos Rodon, it probably won't be $3 million like he signed for last year, but that's fine. They do, uh, rejected the qualifying offer, I think, is around, what, $18 million like that? That was smart on the White Sox. If Carlos can't find a spot... I'm sure that White Sox fans and the White Sox in general would love to have him back, especially if he's that guy who pitched mostly in the first half. Even that guy who pitched in the playoffs, it's the Houston Astros. And ultimately, he didn't work out for the White Sox. I thought he gave it his all and tried to ramp it up to 97, 98, and then ran out of bullets. So, yeah, a whole offseason arrest. Carlos Rodon coming back. Let's go. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Ecknerwall23. That's Lawrence's last name spelled backward. That's Vinny Duber. You can check out his new article, Lucas Giolito and an extension with the White Sox, how the lockout affects that at allchgo.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber. We're going to be talking about that topic tomorrow. So go read Vinny's article. That's your homework. We'll talk about if the White Sox can extend their quote unquote ace uh, with the shortened lockout season. We'll talk about that tomorrow on the CHGO White Sox podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at CHGO underscore White Sox. You can follow CHGO at CHGO underscore uh, sports. And then you could follow uh, PointsBet at PointsBet uh, at PointsBet IL. Um, and they are uh, being brought up because they are the title sponsor of the CHGO White Sox podcast. CHGO White Sox podcast presented by PointsBet. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Live your bet life with PointsBet. We'll talk to you tomorrow about White Sox and a Lucas Giolito extension here on the CHGO White Sox podcast.